0: Are we awake? Are we here? I need a little bit of a head nod, not a death glare. Are we here? We're here. Okay. That one hour hit, and I realized it was much darker this morning than I ever thought it could possibly be. Um, but if you don't know me, my name is Samuel Warden. I'm one of the youth pastors. Can we give online a shout out? What's up, online? We're so glad that you're here. I'm so honored to speak to you this morning. Um, yeah. We're just going to jump in. Are you ready? It's going to be a challenging morning. Is that Okay challenging at 927. I'm going to take the next 30 minutes and hopefully challenge you, inspire you, and ignite you to pray for healing like you never have before in your entire life. So in 2016, I get a phone call from my mom who is watching online right now. What's up, mom? I get a call from my mom and she says, hey, your grandma. And in the South, we call it grandma's uh, Nana. So this is my Nana. And so she said, hey, Nana is not doing well. She Um, has a really bad decline in her health, you need to be praying for a miracle. And this person in this moment isn't just my grandma. This is the person who led me to Jesus at age four. This is the person who walked with me closely when my father was killed. This was the person that walked with me when I was at graduation and I cried because my dad wasn't there. This is the woman who was at my wedding intentionally. This woman was everything. She's the reason why I fell in love with Jesus. And so I begin to contend for a healing. I begin to pray like I've never prayed before. And then in September, my mom calls me early in the morning crying. And she says, Samuel, Nana passed away in her bed this morning. I'm so, so sorry. And I told my mom, I'm on my way. I hang up and literally at work, I fall to my knees weeping. The woman that I would say deserved healing out of the most, out of anybody that I knew, just passed away. This was earth shattering. I was angry, frustrated, bitter. I was angry at the Lord, like, what the heck? I prayed for healing and I did not see it. Are you a healer, Jesus? Did I not have enough faith? Things that began to go in my head, and I started to realize, man, we live in a broken world. And we're in a series right now called Jesus Heals Breakthrough in a Broken World. And that saying has been very challenging because it challenges this. We see brokenness every day of our life. We see it in the news. We see it in our friends, and our families, in our schools. We see it all over. So when we hear that Jesus heals, this begins to challenge belief systems within us. You see, the questions that we start off asking is, well, is it God's will to heal? And if you weren't here last week, we had someone speak. His name is Daniel Goulet. He's the School of Kingdom Ministry director. He dropped so much wisdom on, is it God's will to heal? And we saw it biblically, and then we saw it in the room that he is willing. But we also saw people not get healed last week. And the question that I typically hear or that I think about that follows is, does Jesus have the authority to heal? Which just means, does he have the the right to do that? Does he have the the power to heal? These are the questions that maybe come up in your head when you pray for healing and don't see it. Or maybe you're walking through something right now and the, the sickness or the illness hasn't changed, so you're wondering, Jesus, do you have the authority You see, I think we ask these questions because we're wondering what is actually happening around us. What is happening that we do not see? And so before we get started and before I answer that question, what is happening around us? I want us just to turn our affection, our attention, and our adoration to Jesus. This is something that we do in Revolution. Every Wednesday before we start, we give Jesus our attention, our affection, and our adoration and I, I wanna encourage you, Like, I believe that when we talk about Jesus and we have pain or sickness in our body, he begins to heal us when we just talk about him. So if you feel like you're encountering the Lord or the presence uh, increases on you, which just means maybe you came in chaos, but now you have peace, or maybe you had back pain and you just realized it's gone, or maybe you came in with a headache or a migraine and it has left, this is all I want you to do. Simply just do this. While I'm, So we got one right there. Come on, see, right there, come on. See, when we talk about Jesus the healer, he can't help himself, I feel like. But I want you, while I'm speaking, if you feel healing or you feel the Lord just increase on you, I just want you just to wave your hand, because that tells everyone in the room that Jesus the healer is here, okay? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being here. We thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you that you are healer, and it is concrete. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, would you open our, our spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear your voice only. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Are we, are we still with me? We're still locked in? I had people wait. Oh, we got another hand wave over there? Come on, that's amazing. So I wanna pick up in two texts today, but the first one is Matthew chapter eight. So you can start turning there, but the context for Matthew chapter eight is last week, Daniel talked about a story about Jesus healing a leper when he says, "Um, if you're willing to cleanse me, um, can you heal me? And Jesus responds, I am willing. So we're gonna pick up at the story right after that, Matthew chapter eight, verse five through 13. And what happens in this story is that Jesus' authority is also recognized, not just him as a healer, but the authority that he carries in Matthew chapter eight. Verse five, I'm going to read from the ESV and it says this, when he had entered Capernaum, a, cent- a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. I tell you, many will come from east and west to recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And and to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You see, in this passage, I see see three observations that I think are really key to solidifying Jesus as a healer. Number one is in um, verse number nine, the officer understands authority. He says, I am a man of authority, and so I understand what what you're capable of doing. So in 2022, we would say real recognizes real in that moment. Like he realizes that something that Jesus carries is far superior above his. You see, Jesus wasn't just coming into like the disciples thought to overthrow a government. He was coming to bring in the kingdom. And so we see that this centurion has this understanding of authority. The second thing that we see in verse 8 is that authority and faith are intertwined. You see, when we ask the question, do I not have enough faith to see someone healed? That's the wrong question. The question is, where is my faith? Is it in Jesus or in myself? The centurion's faith was in the authority of what Jesus carried. So he was calling Jesus the healer and knew that if he just spoke miles away, someone would get healed. And so the third observation is this, Jesus healed because the centurion believed in who Jesus is. We see that when we believe, when the centurion believes Jesus is the healer, that if he just speaks, this person will be healed. I know in my own life, sometimes I'm like, God, I need a visitation from you to believe. Could I just trust that if he speaks, something changes? And so, what this begins to challenge myself in is, what do I believe? Because our beliefs form the way we behave. Do you know that? Like what you believe about you and the world around you is the reason why you do things the way you do. Our beliefs inform the way that we behave. So one of the beliefs that I have, I'm, this, you guys think I'm about to say something profound? This is awesome. Um, one of the beliefs that I have is that hot sauce makes any food better. No, I'm, I'm, like, I, I'm 100% serious, like, I come from the South, and when food is good, but you want it to go great, dab a little hot sauce on it. This is, like, true, like, so salt and pepper, we know this, or Midwesterners, ranch on everything. I don't understand it, but it happens. Buttermilk, beat has a different type of ranch. Everyone's got their own special ranch. Hot sauce is that for me. But what I didn't know is that the first two years of marriage, it would cause tension in cooking. Some of you see where I'm going with this. Some of you are still in that tension. (laughs) Every time my wife cooked, I would put hot sauce on my food and nothing was said for about a year and I started noticing every time I'd put it on there, I'd get a little glare. I'm like, hmm, there must be more there. (laughs) So I asked, hey, is this offending? And she goes, it kinda is. I was like, okay. Well, every time you put hot sauce on it, I think you're just trying to kill the taste because it's so bad. Sherry Campion is nodding her head because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you're killing the food. I'm like, whoa, first of all, have you tried it with hot sauce? Second of all, I love it so much that I'm enhancing the flavor. See, I assume that being in the South would transfer to the Midwest. I assume that, well, just because I'm so loving, I'm kidding, I'm, I'm assuming that that she would understand what I'm saying. So I don't wanna assume that we all have the same worldviews or the same belief systems in here, but I'd like to challenge one and then maybe ignite another one within you. And so when it comes to worldviews, these things are built purely based on how we were raised, the color of our skin, where we're from, um, the school we attended, the sport we played. They come from so many different things and they're typically built without intention. Like, you don't wake up and go, my worldview of hot sauce today is gonna be. It just kind of happens. And so the first worldview that I wanna briefly touch on is one that does not believe in the supernatural. It could be naturalism, but one that does not believe in the supernatural. So the series titled Jesus Heals Breakthrough in a Broken World becomes challenging right off the bat because the belief system doesn't recognize that there could be healing. It could be explained, it might be a coincidence, And so what happens when you see a healing is that worldview gets challenged like that. I grew up not believing in healings. I didn't think they were real until I got healed. And then I realized, uh uh-oh, my grid has to expand. So if that's your worldview today, I would like to ask you, would you mind expanding that for the next 20 minutes? Expanding that worldview to see if Jesus heals. The second one is the one that we see most often, I believe, in churches, is the cosmic blueprint. The cosmic blueprint. The word blueprint means a set of plans laid out with a perfectly, like an end goal happening. So, prime example, you're sitting in the result of a blueprint. Someone drew up this auditorium, these chairs, the way it would sit, and this is what the blueprint came up with, us sitting here. And one, and one of the number one things that this blueprint does is it says that God's goodness is complicated and his sovereignty is simple. Sovereignty is just his power, his authority, being able to oversee everything, like being the king, that it's simple. What this does is it tries to make God's, give God all the power and all the authority, but it doesn't actually play out that way. This is typically sayings that I have said because I believed this at one time. Everything happens for a reason. See, when we say that, we don't know this, this cosmic blueprint is at play in our life. Or maybe something like this, God works in mysterious ways. You see, these aren't things that we're saying because we're just saying them to say them. It's because we're trying to explain things that when we pray and it doesn't happen. We're trying to explain things that we, don't, we can't explain. So we just say, well, it happens for a reason, see, with a cosmic blueprint, it actually takes Jesus on the throne and then separates you two. It says that he does everything. Everything is in control all the way to the microsecond of your life, and it allows for no partnership. In this blueprint, this, this worldview, I would actually say, then why even pray? Like, if I'm just being honest... Why even pray if we believe that God is just up there controlling everything that that happens to you? Because then what happens when sickness and death come in? Did he send that? What that does is to say that his goodness is very complicated. So if there's sickness or death in somewhere, we have to say, well, God sent it. So we should thank him for it. We should be like, oh, well, we don't understand, but he sent it to us. I've never sent my daughter's pain and I'm a, a father with flaws. If our worldview is the cosmic blueprint, it is not designed for partnership, it's designed for dictatorship and tyranny. You get no say in the blueprint. This is how I was raised. God is off over here and I'm down here. This actually leaves no room for Holy Spirit. Do you see where I'm going with this? When we believe this, this worldview it transforms our everyday. So when a coworker has pain, we go, oh, I shouldn't pray for it. It goes when something terrible happens, like what's going on in the with Russia and the Ukraine, this war that's happening, we don't intercede, we just sit down. In the cosmic blueprint, we do not get activated into the, you know, I'm in the Lord's army. It sounds like you're in the army of reserves. You're not doing anything. Like the cosmic blueprint. Honestly, can I just be real with you, does way more harm than good. At 14 years old, when my father was killed in front of me, I had people say, well, this happened for a reason. I'm sorry, what? My response would be, then explain it. Because reasons can be explained. So I would say, well, then explain it. This crushed me as a 14-year-old. It drove me away from the Lord for like two years. I didn't attend church, didn't touch a Bible, didn't want to talk to God, did not want to worship. You could find me in the back of the room, arms crossed, walking out within 15 minutes. That worldview, when we say it happens for a reason, we think we're we're inviting peace in, but you're actually igniting chaos in someone. That worldview is more damaging than we think. So if that worldview is damaging and it's saying that God's goodness is complicated and his sovereignty is simple, there has to be one that does the opposite, that says God's goodness is simple, that his sovereignty is complicated. This is what we would like to call the cosmic battle. If you're taking notes, just write down the cosmic battle. And in order for the cosmic battle to make sense, the first thing I want us to embrace this morning is kingdom theology. Kingdom theology. Without kingdom theology, hear me, the cosmic battle is really hard to get behind. It explains why we're in a battle and then we see we're in a battle. So this is what it is. I'm just gonna read it low-key. I copied this from Julie. So if you've heard it before, it's from the great legend, Julie Yoder. She said, simply put, the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign. His authority and presence has come into this broken world to empower us to experience the future now, healing, deliverance, hope, and restoration, freedom from Satan's rule, which was dethroned by Jesus at the cross. The kingdom of God is here, but not fully here. So we are in a battle. You see, in the cosmic battle, we continue to fight for the kingdom to be released on the earth. We continue to be at war with Satan. I was looking up this definition like resistance. I was actually watching Star Wars and then I looked it up, but I was watching and it said the resistance. And the word resistance means typically you've been defeated. So the enemy is resisting us when we don't see things. And when we do see things, we see the kingdom of God advancing. In the cosmic battle, Things are happening all around us. It helps us in this world to interact with things differently. So prime example, this weekend felt a little bit like chaos in our home. I dropped a buffalo chicken dip. Long story, see me after. I probably need inner healing, but I dropped this food. Things were happening. Kids were a little crazy. Things, And I'm like, hold on. I could say, well, you know, I guess we should have gone to Red Robin or whatever, like, Or I could say there's a battle happening and the enemy's trying to get into my home. And I don't lose, so I hate losing. So like in a battle, it it changes how we see things. Like if your kids, you feel like your kids are being tormented, the enemy's coming after your family. If you feel like your marriage is like this all the time, it's not happening for a reason. There's a cosmic battle for marriage. Satan hates those. Like things in our life, can be explained through cosmic battle. God's goodness is simple. His sovereignty is complicated. He would never send you any pain, any death, any destruction, because that is not good. Good and this is not what your view of good is. It's good versus evil. In the cosmic battle, it is good versus evil. There's no like, well, it might be good. It's clearly good. Is it sickness? That's not from God. Is it marriage issues? That is not from God. Is it kid issues? It is not from God. Good things come from God. Healing, hope, freedom, restoration, the inbreaking of the kingdom. You see, in this worldview, it places Jesus on the throne and you with him, like it says, and Satan as your pedestal. In this blueprint, we are now in partnership with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, in Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, in this, in this story of Matthew chapter eight, we see Jesus have an authority over physical and spiritual. In the cosmic battle, we need both. In a broken world, we need both. The word breakthrough, I'm kind of a nerd. The word breakthrough, we're using it. Jesus heals breakthrough in a uh, broken world. The word breakthrough means a military movement or advancement all the way through behind the enemy's front line of defense. It sounds like the cross, doesn't it? That Jesus broke through the enemy's front line of defense and that is the world in which we live in now. So let's look at Matthew chapter 12 so we can see this play out. What's happening is here is from Matthew chapter 8 to 12, Jesus is beginning to do radical miracles. It's stirring the people. We've got Peter who's like, let's overthrow the government at some point, kind of a thing. But people are getting healed. Things are happening. And now Jesus has this amazing moment, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 29. And it says this, then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him. So the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and he said can, and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Belzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, which sounds a lot like Jesus, just knowing what you're thinking. He says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided uh, against itself will stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. This is the beautiful picture of the breakthrough of authority that Jesus is giving us. In verse 29, I'm the kind of person that like I have to soak in a whole story. Like a demon oppressed man who can't speak and is blind comes to Jesus and he heals him like that. And then the people's response is amazement. We could think statistically in this story that there were other people around who were sick and needed healing And they didn't see it in this moment. They just saw this one man get healed. I heard Di say one time, she said, every time we see Jesus, he he heals them, but he didn't go around healing everybody. It's all who came to him. He didn't go to every home, every city, every moment and be like, be healed, be healed, be healed. That's why you live. That's why you exist. He was showing us what we're able to do. And so in this story, the people respond in amazement. And I remember asking the Lord one time, I just said, like three and a half years ago, I said, God, let me never lose my amazement with you, my wonder with you. Let me rejoice over every every healing that I see. And when I don't see him, let me lean into that. This was the response I get from the Lord. Samuel, would you never stop praying for breakthrough of my kingdom? That's how I never lose my wonder. Because I always wonder what's happening right now. Like, this is the moment that, like, God is showing us. Jesus is living out this moment. So the people are in amazement, and then the Pharisees, they are like, bruh, only if a stronger demon could you do this, which is interesting, because they, they had a spiritual worldview. They understood the supernatural, but they weren't willing to give Jesus the authority that he walked in. We have to remember all authority comes from Jesus, not you. All the power comes from Jesus and Holy Spirit, not you. It takes a lot of pressure off you and puts a lot of trust in him. The Pharisees were like, whoa, hold on. Like, you can't do that. You're not really one of us. And Jesus is like, well, if Satan did it, his kingdom would be divided. You see, in the cosmic blueprint, his kingdom looks divided to us. He's over here, we're over here. In a cosmic battle, we're both together. Our worldview is like, oh, we're together in this. And so Jesus kind of teaches him in this moment. He's like, hey, listen, like if it's a house divided, cannot stand. If it is by, if I drive out demons, it's by the kingdom of God has come upon you. But then he says something really interesting in the last verse, in 29. Oh, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. You see, the enemy really likes to put on this good front that he's bigger, better, and stronger. And in a moment, Jesus binds him, then takes back what is his. We have to get the narrative out of our mind that whatever circumstance we're facing is bigger than Jesus. I've, I'm i young, I'm 29. I know some of you have been through way, way more than I have. You have much more wisdom on this. But when my dad was murdered and I watched my grandma die, like, Trust me, there were a lot of questions that came into play, but I chose, I chose to make Jesus bigger. Even when I, to this day, hear me, I don't understand. I do not understand, but I I know he's good. And so I say, Jesus, we're in a cosmic battle, and this may sound a little harsh, but in battle, there's actually casualties. I know that doesn't, you may not be like, oh, thank you, Samuel. But hear me, in a battle, things happen that we, we don't understand, and it is a hard reality to face. I get it. It's a reality I face when my six-year-old asked me, where's, Dad, where's Papa? Tell me about Papa. My, my three-year-old is starting to ask that, so now I've gotta tell her. I get it, but when I say we're in a battle, I know I win. I don't battle for, to try to get victory, I battle from victory. You see, Jesus has won the war. We're just playing it out right now. That's all this is. You see, the whole goal was for Jesus to position us behind enemy lines to expand the kingdom of God. You see, I wanna live a life where I assume that the authority of Jesus in any realm is bigger than what I'm facing. I wanna assume that who Jesus is is much more powerful than the circumstance that I'm walking in. See, everything doesn't happen for a reason, but he works everything to the good of those who believe, even when we don't understand or see it. You know, like I I said before, when my Nana passed, a lot of emotions came into me. I was frustrated, I was mad. You can ask my wife, I was such a happy camper. (laughs) I wasn't. I was upset, frustrated at God. I literally said, out of anybody that I know, this woman should have been healed. She has the best relationship with you, Jesus. And this is really crazy. This is a side note. Every time I see die I see my grandma. You can ask Kirsten. My grandma's name was Diane. Every time my mom comes here, she loves seeing her because it reminds her of, like, God does work things. I don't understand, but every time I say, I'm like, oh, this is like my grandma, she's amazing. But I remember being so frustrated, and and one of the worst things that we can do in the Christian world is not allow people to feel. When trauma hits, you don't have to pretend. That doesn't help anybody. We need to process with friends and family and predominantly Jesus. So when we don't see what we're praying for, we can actually walk through it and not have to sit and live in it. And so I had all of these emotions happening, and I'm frustrated, and I remember uh, I remember my grandma like a week and a half before she passed away, I called her and said, hey, Nana, how you doing? And she said, you know, I, I feel okay. And I was like, you feel okay? She's like, yeah. And then she said something so profound in me. She said, Samuel, the misconception that is if I don't get healed, Jesus isn't a healer. You see, I'm guaranteed healing. We're just contending for it here. Jesus is my healer, whether it's on earth or in heaven, he's still healer. His name does not change. And that challenged everything within me in that moment. So three months later, my wife and I get booked to this church, Burr Oak Mennonite Church. Mind you, I'm from the South. I didn't even know these things were real, like a thing. Like when I saw a horse and buggy, I asked yours, I'm like, where are we? Like. I'm from a big city from the South. This is different for me. And so we get booked at this church and I I get into the parking lot and I put it in reverse. As soon as I read the sign, I was like, he's not here, God, nope, sorry. Like I'm serious. I asked my wife, I put it in reverse, backup cam turned on, ready to leave. And I remember Jesus just being like, "Um, so who are you to tell me what my spirit can do and where? I was like, okay, I'll just put it back and drive. Parked, I get in to this day. I'm not trying to be this person, but to this day, those are the hungriest people I've ever met in my entire life for Holy Spirit. We get in there, we go to dinner. The senior pastor's like, yeah, this is what we're doing. We we meet the youth pastor, he comes to dinner with us and his first thing out of his mouth is, yeah, I don't believe in that Holy Spirit weird healing stuff. It just never happens. I'm like, challenge accepted, bruh!" Like, (laughs) you shouldn't have said that. Wrong guy to say that to. (laughs) And so, We go to the first night, people start getting healed. A guy with his spine fused together who was hunched over for like 17 years, boom, stands straight up. We start seeing radical healings. I'm like, this is awesome. And I start getting a sympathy pain, which just means the Lord was revealing to me someone had pain in their shoulder. And I almost knocked my wife out because I was trying to figure out what's going on. I'm like, and so guess what? I didn't say it that night. I just kept quiet. I was like, that was enough Holy Spirit for the night. Like, we don't want to push him away, you know? And so I wake up the next morning, like, hey, would you join us in prayer rooms? We do, and we have um, a couple people come in, and it was great, and then my shoulder starts hurting, and this guy walks in, turns kind of like this, and he closes the door, and I said, hey, do you have have shoulder pain? And he turns around, he's like, yeah, and he actually has a birth defect. His right arm is like two inches shorter than his other arm, and I'm like, could you just like been like, oh, I pulled my shoulder this week, you know what I mean, like, and i was like oh awesome well let's pray so god can heal it i was like uh oh <laughs> the people in the room with me and my wife were the youth pastor who still didn't believe in holy spirit stuff and then the senior pastor the senior pastor that had retired he was there for 40 years had just retired they'd never seen healings in their life and so he's like yeah but i'm going to put my shoulders against the wall so you can't manipulate it i'm like you're about to get blasted by god at this point like and so he puts his shoulders against the wall and everyone does the typical out of my mouth to say, lift your head up and open your eyes. You don't want to miss the miracle. And everyone kind of looks up, and Kirsten's like, Oh dear God. Like, <laughs> like I'm just the audacious kind of person. I just go after it. And so I didn't say a long prayer. I just said, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this man. You're kind. In the name of Jesus, arm grow. And this is all we hear. We see his arms out like this. And he goes, hmm? And his arm starts growing. He's like, hmm? like it just keeps getting a higher octave every time the youth pastor starts weeping screaming get a camera get a camera this is nuts and is running around the room the senior pastor's like in 40 years I've never seen this in 40 years I've never seen something like this like going completely crazy and in my heart I heard my grandma say Jesus is my healer no matter what that has taken all the pressure off me praying I just prayed Saw a radical miracle. You see, the enemy, all he did was put fuel on an open fire to me. Every time I don't see a healing, I contend for more. Every time I don't see something that I'm praying for, it just makes me go after it even harder. See, we have to be a people that when we don't see it, it ignites everything within us to go for more. Jesus heals is not a theory, it is a fact. The world may be broken, but we hold breakthrough in our hearts. We hold breakthrough with the spirit of the Lord. I believe that when we speak, the enemy is scared. With one prayer of healing, he is running terrified. See, I know when we don't see it, it hurts. I would rather hurt the enemy more. I would rather pray for more. I'd rather see more. And I know I'm young and I've got a lot to learn, but I probably pray for healings almost every day because I do not care that the enemy thinks he can resist. We will destroy him. And 1 John 3, it says, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the enemy. This is what we're called to. This is who he is. This is the authority that we get to walk in. Would you guys stand? I just wanna do a quick thing, and this is where we all get to look around. If while I was speaking, you got healed, or internally, your world that was in chaos has gone to peace, Maybe your mind is at rest. Would you just begin to wave both hands above your head just like this? Look at this. Look around the room. This is who Jesus is. No one prayed. Yeah, come on. You can give the Lord a round of applause. He's good. This is who he is. So I'm just going to pray and allow the worship team to just join us. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that your power is present. Your authority has been given to us. Someone's testing it out in the back right now. You're getting, he's a, huh? Okay, he's testing things out right now. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for your kindness over us. Yeah, just turn your affection and your attention to Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, you are so beautiful. Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You rule and reign supreme in this room. You're the only thing that is allowed to be here. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.